Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. So, Phil, we're happy to have Steve Frankel, the owner of Frankel Consulting on the Sea Captain Way podcast today. Steve partners with financial services leaders and advisors to drive productive and profitable practices. In addition to helping leaders build thoughtful productivity plans to drive purposeful growth, he offers proven expertise in developing strategies to aid in their execution by focusing on product education, sales skills, and leadership development. Welcome, Steve. Greg, I, Greg, I wrote that on purpose with all that alliteration just to see if you could get through it. I'm sorry to do that for you, but you handled it like a champ. Yeah, <laughs> I was like the Sally sells seashells down by the seashore. Something. I love it. Well, and and this is going to be this is going to be fun today, Greg, because Steve Frankel and I. I, I kind of get used to this. Everybody seems to have a past with me, but this is one of these where <laughs> not only do I absolutely admire the person who we have here today, but he and I have had such great conversations over the years. He is just one of the great ones. His heart is as pure, and yet he can still mix it up with the best of us. The uh, Oh, no. So stop, Steve, stop. Come on. I know. I right, know. He's really buttering you up, Steve. He's going to need you to pay that back at some point here. Well, you, did, you didn't write that part, at least. It's, uh, it's great to have you, my friend. Great to have you on. Dude, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. This is really awesome of you. I'm a, not only a fan of yours, I'm a fan of the podcast. So obviously I've been watching them all the way through. So when you asked if I'd be interested in coming on, that was a great, great compliment. And I'll say back to you, I was thinking about nice things to say about you to come on. And here's the best thing that I came up with. I know obviously a lot of people that you've brought into the business that I've worked with over the years and that I've become very, very good friends with. And what I'll tell you, each one of them to a person is not only a leader inside of their organization, they're really leaders in the industry in terms of who they are, how they give back, obviously the phenomenal production they do. But I also knew them before they are who they are now. And it took a lot of leadership and guidance to help them grow into who they are. And I think a lot of what I think about reflects well on you is a lot of the people that you brought into this business and nurture that are good friends of mine that wouldn't be in the position they are in life without you being part of it. So good on you. Well, well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. We're done here, Greg. This is it. Yeah, there we go. It's Steve. <laughs> thanks for your time. <laughs> it's, about, it's about, it's about, you know what, Steve, it's about time. Greg hears these things about me because, you know, he tends to, he tends to judge me on a lot of things. Well, let's get started. That was very thoughtful. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's get going. Yeah. So Phil, you and Steve were colleagues when you served as corporate executives and leaders at a Fortune 100 company for many years. You leveraged that experience to start your own businesses that specialize in the financial services industry. Why do you think you both have been able to experience success since you transitioned into the executive leadership and professional development coaching space? I guess that's a question for both of you. Yeah. Steve, why don't you start with that and I'll fill in any gaps. When you said that, the first thing that popped into my mind, I think of uh, industry great John Qualley. He always talked about long obedience in the same direction from Gene Peterson's book. 
And I've always thought that's so important. I, today, you know, people can jump around from business to business and do all that. And that's awesome. One of the things I love about our business is that you can change your job so many times within your career. So I think one of my benefits of kind of this long obedience to the industry uh, is being able to have been an advisor, been on the corporate side. I've run sales for many different product lines. I've run sales for a company, done training, ran training departments a couple different times. So I have a, quite a broad base of experience across the industry and what it takes to really be successful as an advisor. And so when I think about this in the kind of the last third of my career of where I'm at right now, if I divide it into kind of trimesters, I think about this as just a capstone project to kind of take all that experience of things that I've had. And if I wanted to continue to grow, it's really how do you bring those things together and deliver them in a way that really helps drive productivity in offices and bring it from multiple perspectives, which has been great. Yeah. How about you, Phil? Well, very well said. And when you're with a firm for a long time, as you and I uh, were, people will tend to say, oh, I'm a survivor. Well, and I think you said it to your point, we were more like thrivers. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think there was a difference there. In other words, because you could reinvent and not all firms allow you to do it. Sometimes you have to job hop. I call indeed now the transfer portal for business because it's so easy. <laughs> it, it's so, it's so easy now to make those shifts if you have a bad review or you have a bad week. But to stick with it and stay with it and be able to thrive in it as you have in many different roles, it's uh, wonderful to see. And that does speak of the culture that we, we've come from. So uh, do this. Tell me a little bit about your firm now and what you do for your clients. If I look, most of my clients, my direct clients that I, that I work primarily with are managing partners, leaders of agencies, that's where I really contract into. A lot of my work ends up being done with advisors. But if I had to put take my business down to a really simple form, most leaders have more priorities than they have talent to be able to execute on it with. That's just most small businesses are that way. Yeah. So I'm a big believer as an advisor in the power of planning and letting planning drive your actions as you move forward. So a lot of what I do is I'll sit down with an agency leader help them think through their business plan that they have and where they're driving their business to. Then it's as simple as if you're going to allocate one more dollar of capital to a particular area that you feel that you could have a really high level of growth, but you don't currently have the talent on your team to be able to execute on it, what would that be? And when I mentioned before, I've had this broad experience across organizations, everything from brand new rep development to you know, real career advisor, ensemble work and practice management. It's really how do I engage with them according to their business plan as opposed to just content that I want to deliver. I really struggled with that at the beginning as I went out on my own of trying to figure out where my niche is. And so many people that I talked to said, just, you know, get this thing. And what I decided is my narrow focus is helping an MP or an agency leader really drive their business plan. That's the focus. Uh, but what I'm able to do is come in alongside of them and wherever they find that gap, that's where I can help them put together a plan and actually come alongside them and be able to execute on it and develop a leader alongside with me from their team that can then go execute on it when they can get rid of me at some point going forward. Yeah. And I think that's one of the tributes to a great coach, Greg, is the ability to say, okay, there's a lifespan here. 
You know, I'm coming in, I'm working on a specific item or that item may take two or three years, but I'm working on a specific plan. And at some point it's going to be time to go. And I think you do that very well. You're very project centric. And I would say, Greg, that of all the people we've had on, Steve and I probably have the most similar style of coaching. Mm -hmm. And the same bar. Oh, gee whiz. I'll tell you what, <laughs> you cannot give this guy even a little window and, uh, or he takes it. But And yes, that is accurate. We are both well, well coiffed. But the important piece is this piece about one size does not fit all. And I, I mm -hmm. admire that about your work. Yeah, Steve, you mentioned that you use a now near far approach when you coach your clients. Can you expand on what this means for us? Um, so I completely stole that from CEO John Schlipsky when he was running his executive team. So I, you know, like everybody in the industry, I don't have a lot of original thoughts. But when he runs his, ran his executive team, he always talked about if we focus on FAR, what's our goal, the thing that we want to be able to accomplish? Let's say that's three to five years down the road. So FAR is, you know, far enough to be a stretch, close enough that, you know, I need to take action. I need to be running at it. So if that's far, come back to near, near is really what's your, you know, how will I know I'm on track for that by the end of the year? So what's my goal or my benchmark for this year of where I need to be at? And then now is if it doesn't come down into an action item of what do we have to do? So he'll look at his executive team and say, you know, you're running this piece, you're running this piece, you're running this piece. You know, what are you actually going to do differently than what you did before to make sure that we're on path? Now in doing that, every time you're looking at your project, if you're looking at all three of those things together and you can still see alignment and that you're driving in the right direction, then you know you're on track. So I use that just as a way to help think through. It's not about the goals that you have for this year. Really, it's about where you're taking your business, where you're taking your company, what you want to drive it towards. And your goals for this year should be nothing more than a check-in to make sure that you're on path, on a good glide path to where you need to be. But then where the coaching comes in, where we come down to is, I can't do the same thing I did yesterday and get there. I have to do something differently. So how do we define those things and then just start stacking gains? Let's work on one thing. Let's get it right. Let's stack the next thing on top of it, the next thing on top of it. And that's really the way that you're going to drive exponential growth is all of a sudden you stack two, three, four of those things on top of each other. And you look backwards, you go, how in the world did I get here? And it's all the result of those little changes. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a cool shorthand way you know, to frame a, that it's concept. It's a little bit, a uh, little bit at a time, brick by brick. It's all of those things, but there are also halftime adjustments to be made. There's quarterly adjustments to be made. A vision by design should never be attained because there's mm -hmm. just too many variables along that path. So, what kind of adjustments are we making in that space? And so, in our sea captain training curriculum. We say leadership is not a title, it's a behavior. Okay. There are different mm -hmm. kind, different types of leadership styles, such as optional, dynamic, visionary leaders. There are procedural, structured, strategic leaders. Some leadership styles are notorious for burning through people. And sometimes the leaders don't even know why. They're not aware of it. I mean, retention among financial advisors and salespeople and their teams is, is not good. In my experience, the best leaders are able to let go and grow around them. How do you define leadership mm -hmm. and leadership characteristics with your clients? So I have a good buddy that I'm in a book club with. By the way, I have a really cool book club of really great individuals that are from all sorts of varied industries around here. Ted Nitsky is a good buddy of mine. 
who runs a company called CISA 6. They're actually in the education space, but he does a lot of leadership development. And now he's take his definition, which is really simple, is a leader is simply somebody who has influence over another person, period. So when you think about that in your life, I'm a leader as a father, I'm a leader as a spouse, as a friend, as a coworker, I'm a leader to the offices that I serve. When I think about leadership, if you have influence over another person, by definition, you are a leader. So it's never something that's delegated away to somebody else. And when I think about leadership skills, there's always tactics, there's always things that you can do, techniques to help you go through that. But I really think leadership more than anything is kind of a way of being in the world of how do you make sure that you're giving as much as you get and that you're really trying to make a better human being as they sit across from you. If I'm an advisor working with a client, my job is to leave them better than I found them, to help them on a path to continue to get better. And it's the same thing as a leader inside of an organization as you bring people in. Phil, when I was saying nice things about you when we came in, leadership is taking people that would when you brought them in, they were little molds of clay, and now there are leaders in the industry that are doing things that they never imagined possible for their clients and their families. But it's helping them see the vision of what can be and then really giving them the tools and the motivation to be able to execute on that. Yeah, and we talk about CEO mindset a lot here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Now, it's not just enough to be a financial advisor and run like the Lone Ranger, run your own race. There's teaming, there's partnering, you have to develop people. And in the past, you really didn't have to do that. Everybody just, you're motivated with money or you're motivated (laughs) with loyalty, but these things just don't play out like, uh, like to do before. One of the things I really like about your approach, you're always very well read, which I appreciate. It's almost intimidating how often you're able to refer to uh, a different book or a different thing that you've read. I don't know where you find the time to do it all and do your business, but you referred to a book you like called Traction by Gino Wickman during one of our discussions. I took a quick look on Amazon. It looks like it offers advice on how to structure your business to remove frustrations and regain momentum. Why do you mm-hmm. like this book and why do you rec- why do you recommend it to so many clients? But it really ties in a little bit with what I was talking about of the now, near, and far. So many people in our industry use traction. It's also called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, as a way to manage their organization. And as I think you would probably agree, most people that come into the financial services industry are entrepreneurial. They're big thinkers. They really want to run. But the thing that they're not as good at is really running an organization. They want to run. But that's different than running an organization. And what's really important is to have a level of structure around that that you can work within. I'm a big believer in creativity requires constraints. If I have no constraints on what I'm doing, I'm never really creative. I'm just shooting from the hip and going everywhere. But if I really want to be creative within my business, I need to have some level of constraints around me that give me the framework within which I can be creative. Now I can really attack a problem. If I told you to go out and and be creative and build the best financial plan, I don't know how creative you can get with that. You'll put a bunch of stuff together. But if I say, go put together a financial plan that's for a 50-year-old thinking about retirement that's an empty nester now, and I want you to communicate everything within eight pages, not including disclosures. Now I can get really creative. I can put constraints around that, and I can really test myself. 
What I like about the EOS is that it's, it's a proven tool that can really put constraints around you, but now you can get creative within it. And now all of a sudden the talent that you can bring to it, that I can bring to it to help them think differently is really, really awesome. It is. And having looked at it now, I can tell you that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of books that have, one of them, they recommended me Rocket Fuel, which shoots off of that. And some of the things that we talk about, about visionary leadership and integrators mm-hmm. and, and all those pieces that come together. It's very powerful. Now, I have, for all you Greg Patton fans out there um, who love to listen in, and one of the main reasons you listen in is to listen to Greg's smooth, melodic voice. Greg's <laughs> Wi-Fi went down, so I am flying solo here without him today. And for those of you who are wondering if I'm dominating this call because Greg's uh, pointed shot he <laughs> took at Steve and I about our our hair, that is not, in fact, accurate. He's down. We're down a man. We're calling around to see if he needs some help. But I'm going to keep going because, quite frankly, it's always better if I just do it myself, right? <laughs> I agree. You know, it's nice to get rid of the third wheel where we can actually make this thing really fly. Well, you were talking about <laughs> capacity. <laughs> I'm having some fun with this, but because, God, it's so fun when the person who's on the call normally goes down. Now I get free reign. I can do whatever I like. The, uh, um, but I will say this, capacity. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Leaders and capacity. I use this phrase. I may have used it recently about my wife. When she buys clothes, she puts clothes in the closet, but always takes clothes out of the closet. And that way she never loses capacity in the closet, right? Because things are coming out. So in order for leaders to grow many times, they need that coaching that you provide just to let go and not meddle, not try to control, not try to, you know, get involved where they shouldn't be anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so that's the type of thing that I think for people like us, paying close attention to it is critical and certainly with salespeople to do that. And so that leads me to this agree. other question. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead first. No, Let's I was going to say that. I couldn't agree more. This last two and a half years that I've been out in my own organization, it's probably been the most fun part. Like I said, I've been consuming books like you wouldn't believe. And by the way, part of that, you may not know it, is actually on advice from you. When we talked as I was getting ready to come out and you said, you know, set your schedule up and make sure that you schedule a week, a month, you know, that you're not out running hard, that you're not doing something. You're going to need time to think. You're going to need time to do that. And that's when I read all my books. But one of the things I've really taken out of it is, is we always think growth is about taking more in, taking more in, taking more in. And really growth is about getting rid of, getting rid of, getting rid of. You know, art is not about putting more paint on the canvas. It's how can how much can you do with as little as possible? Can I take away all distractions where I'm really focused on where that's at? So I agree with your point on that. Yeah. And that kind of leads us into this rocket fuel segment, which is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the integral roles in a relationship, which is visionary and integrator. I think of Walt and Roy Disney in this instance. Without Roy Disney as the integrator, I said, did I, guess, did I say instigator? Sometimes I get that wrong. And instigator's <laughs> more, it, instigator's actually a little more bit of, of the vision. It's, it's a little more of the visionary part. But integrator, and without Roy Disney doing the integration, 
you know, working to make sure that the bills were paid, you may not see Disney as you see it. So the concept that it takes two entrepreneurs to build a great company and the relationship between them that can provide the rocket fuel in a business. Explain some of your thoughts about that book with us. Rocket Fuel actually read before Traction. Leo Tucker, another great industry legend, gave me that book years ago. I said, read this. This really helped me figure it out. And it is so many of us, when we come into the business, we're entrepreneurial. We want to drive. We're full of ideas. And we have probably more ideas than we have ability to execute on them. And the first hire that a really good entrepreneur, well, maybe not the first hire, but when you want to scale for growth, when you really need to start thinking about how do I start growing through systems as opposed to brute force? That's when you look at the person that I need to have alongside of me is somebody who can help put the systems and processes in place to make sure that we have the capacity for growth. For my business, I'm the visionary. My wife sits alongside me in this business and she's our integrator. She runs the business. She makes sure that everything's happening in the right way. Because if she didn't, we wouldn't be as successful because I'd just be running around doing the things that I love and I need to have systems and structures in place. So um, I would say that there's the natural traits that we have and then there's the learned traits that we have. For me, that integrator part is a learned trait. It'll never be a natural function for me, but you need to continue to learn it. So inside of a financial service practice, you see that all the time when you're running and it's how do I continue to get non-revenue generating work flowing away from me to somebody else? And once I do that, I need to make sure that there's somebody alongside of me that can put those processes in place to make sure that it is running the right way. So I always tell people when you're going to hire, I'm going to start listing out what are the things that I need to get off my calendar if I'm just starting with my first or second hire. What are all those things that need to come out? Turn that into a job description. One of the things you'll see is it's all those things that you're not good at, which is typically an integrator type role and having those types of skill sets as you run through. Yeah, it's a gr great example. I Basically, when I coach advisors, 80%, I tell them 80% of the advisors should not run their firm. They, sh they should leave their firm. Yeah, but not run it. And and yet that's mm -hmm. a difficult thing because that can be a big investment they need to make and hiring an integrator and somebody who can go about that. And Greg and I have that relationship. My wife and I have it also. My wife is an integrator. My team, Lori Verastro, gives me an opportunity to plug my operations uh, guru, my CFO, integrator, right? And Greg, on this podcast, you know, what the listener doesn't know is the amount of time and energy that he puts into the preparation, the interviewing to get everybody ready to go like he did with you today. So if you like the podcast, send him an email because he's probably sitting on his phone trying to figure out how to get back in here. Um, <laughs> you know, if I can build on that just for, just for a second, Phil, I think you made a really, really great point there that I want to make sure that it doesn't just get blown by. As an advisor continues to grow, I think that is always one of the hardest things to do is hiring somebody who's non-revenue generating that I can't see. They're not necessarily taking things off of my plate and going doing them administratively, but now it's somebody who's actually running the organization. And it's always a challenge for you to stop and think about it's they may not be driving revenue directly. So I see that as an expense, but you have to reframe your mind around that of understand the ability that it gives for the rest of your organization to increase revenue by virtue of having them there. They don't drive it directly, 
but they drive it indirectly because of the increased product productivity of everybody around them. And that's sometimes a hard mind shift for a good visionary to get to. It is. It's a tough one. And again, it's based upon how we were raised. I mean, part of us being self-absorbed, which all business owners are, <laughs> is it's what got them through the initial stage of building out their business is to handle a no and not uh, you know crawl under your desk in the fetal position. Um, mm -hmm. And so being self-absorbed, once you get to a certain level of success, it's that much harder to let go for all those reasons, right? And so let's put a bow on this. And this was Greg's question because he is a music nut and he, and you are too. And of course, our mutual friend, one of our sea captain coaches, John Hollywood Wilson, writes music, country lyrics and so on. And so with all of us having this music thing, you mentioned legendary music producer Rick Rubin on the call with Greg in the interview. And Rick Rubin yeah. co-founded the hip hop label Def Jam from a college dorm room in the 80s and produced records for LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, Aerosmith, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash, Neil Young. The list is endless. His superpowers, he had the ability to guide artists through groundbreaking new territory. Yeah. How does that relate to what we do? And when did you become a disciple of Rick Rubin? Yeah, I won't say disciple. I'll say fanboy. <laughs> I love the way that his mind. <laughs> I love the way his mind works. I mean, I, this dude's kind of my spirit animal. And if you ever see him, if you, I don't know if anybody knows Rick Rubin, but long flowing locks, and he lives in a place called Shangri-La out in L.A. And but he's a really, really cool thinker. And I got turned on to him. I started listening to him a lot. He has a, a podcast called Broken Records. It's like digital liner or like, album liners for the digital age bring people on and talk about music and a really, really great artist. And he has a book that just came out that I've read a couple different times now, and I'll probably read it once a quarter just for little things that I can pull out, but it's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And I really like the second part of that, but he talks about just a way of being. And when he thinks about artists and the work that they do, it's really about a way of being in the world, the way that you see things, the lens that you put over it. And when you do that, you can really take inspiration from almost anything that you run into. So the book, has, for example, has nothing to do with our business. It's not a novel. It doesn't talk about all the cool things and that he's had the opportunity to do. It's really a philosophy book more than anything from him. But it's really, really interesting the way that he approaches the world. He says, I don't really know that much about music. What I do know is how to get to know the artist and how to get the best out of them. That's what his job is as a music producer is really, we talked about leadership before. It's about being in a leadership position with really talented people to get the best quality out of them that they maybe wouldn't be able to see otherwise on their own. And that's his way of being in the world. So when I look at that and his philosophies, it's just... The parallels, like you said, are just uncanny with what you do. I was going to say, it's. I'm going to look above your head. I, every time I read a book, I take and I do just one slide of notes that come out so I can go back and reference them. And one of his opening lines was, to live as an artist is a way of being in the world, a way of perceiving, a practice of paying attention, refining our sensitivity, our sensitivities to tune into the more subtle notes of the world. That's the difference between... Working with somebody, hearing how a really great advisor runs their practice, I'm going to go copy what they do. Or do you understand their thought process behind it? Why they did that? 
so that you can use that logic in a lot of different scenarios as you go in. So those are the types of things that I think when you get when we get outside of our bubbles of everything doesn't have to be American college and CFP and all that stuff. It's everything else that influences you in the world. If you're looking at it through the lens of your business, all those lessons can be applied back and actually probably applied back more effectively because of the way you're viewing them. So good. So well said. A powerful way to end our visit today. How do people find Steve Frankel? I mean, how do they connect with you if they were moved by today's visit? You can find me on LinkedIn. I probably need to talk to Greg. I'm really not a good marketer. I don't have a fancy website or anything like that. Easy. Steve at FrankelConsulting.com. There's no E in Frankel, by the way. Everybody messes that up. Send me an email. Send me a text, 414-333-9166. Love to have a conversation with you. And Phil, I really, again, really appreciate the opportunity to be on here and, and showing your abundance mentality of the fact that we're in the same business and Grant, we talk a lot we're, and help each other a lot, but bringing other people in the same business on your podcast to talk about these things really just shows a level of leadership, I would say, for our business and for the industry. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do that and giving us the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for saying that. There's so much business to be done, not just in financial services, which is a surgical mm -hmm. specialty of mine and yours, but in so many different areas. And Sea Captain's in 20 different industries now. So it's just about people getting together with people that, that have walked a couple steps ahead. And so, Steve, with that, appreciate so much of being here. And for those Greg Patton fans out there, you should send him an email at greg at tradewind, tradewind marketmkt.com and tell him that you missed him today because he got a flat tire. But with that being said, <laughs> Steve Frankel, go out there and keep doing great stuff. Love you. And we'll talk soon. Love you. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey. 